Hello. So we are doing now Thursday of Mitzvah. So we begin with the end of chapter 14, or up to verse 54, where we conclude what we've been discussing for over an entire Torah portion. Because 95% of the previous Torah portion discusses the laws of the spiritual skin disease called Sara'as. Of course, the very beginning verses did not, but literally almost every other verse in the Torah portion of Tezriah discusses that. And until here in Parshas Mitzvah, where we speak primarily about the purification of the one who has this spiritual skin disease, we also speak about it on houses, and then we speak about the purification of that. So now concluding, this is a law for every Tzara's affliction and a Nesek, one of these types of spiritual skin diseases, and the Tzara's of the garment, where we discuss its laws, and of the house, where we discuss its laws, and of the Sa'es and the Sapachas and the Beheras, all different spiritual skin diseases on the flesh, on hair, on the bald scalp, Truel about the impure day, and on which day it is purified. This is the laws of Tzara's. And Rashi says what it means here is which day makes him pure and which day makes him impure. Not when this is going to be ruled, but what this is going to be, what is going to be the ruling. And with that, we conclude Tzara's. And now we go on to discuss something that's perhaps even more complex to us, or at least equally, because it's not in our world. It's not something we do nowadays, so therefore it seems very remote. But in the times of the temple, this was very relevant, as were all the laws of Tzara's, the spiritual skin disease on one's body, on one's garments, on one's houses. So this is now a whole new topic, but connected to Tzara's because it is a type of impurity. So just as Tzara's dealt with a spiritual impurity, we're now going to discuss another spiritual impurity. This is a spiritual impurity that a man can suffer. It's called Zav. A woman has a different, somewhat comparable, but different spiritual impurity that she can suffer called Zava. Today we're going to be discussing the man's special spiritual impurity. So we're beginning now chapter 15 because we have a new topic. So whoever decides to give the Torah chapters and verses, we now begin a new chapter. First one. God spoke to Moses and Aaron saying, Speak to the children of Israel and say to them, any man who will have a discharge from his flesh, his discharge is impure. So what are we talking about here? So Rashi explains to us, what, what are we talking about? This? You have this discharge from your flesh and then you're impure. What is a discharge from your flesh? If something drips out of your nose or your mouth or your ear, what do we mean? So Rashi explains, the verse says a discharge from his flesh. Not all the flesh, but only from a specific area of flesh. So how do I know which area creates a discharge that makes you spiritually impure? So Rashi says, well, the reasoning is very simple. Just as we know that there's a certain area of the body, which if you have a discharge from it, there's a certain type of impurity. Now, when we're talking about a much more severe impurity, it must be from that same place. So for a woman, if a woman is menstruating, if a woman is having her period, 
that creates a certain type of impurity, not a very severe impurity, a certain type of impurity. That in Hebrew is called the nida, a woman during the time of her period until she's purified herself, a minor impurity. From the same place where that blood is going to flow with a nida, if it's not a menstrual impurity, it's called a zava, a much more severe impurity. Similarly for a man, if a man would have an emission of semen, zera, he's impure. But that's a minor impurity. That night, he can go to mikvah, he can immerse himself ritually, and he's pure. But from that same place where he could have that minor impurity, that's the place where if he has a different type of discharge, he has a much more severe impurity, which is called the zav. Now, just to clarify this here, even though we're not going to really discuss it today, so a man has his more severe spiritual impurity called zav status. A woman has hers called zav. But they're very different in that by a woman, it means a flow of blood from the source, as our sages say, from the same place where one's blood would flow if they had their period. It doesn't look any different. It looks like blood. The only way we know, hey, is this regular menstrual blood, which makes you a nida, and that's a minor impurity, or is this a much more severe spiritual issue, and it makes you a zava? The only way we know is what day did the blood flow? And based on that calculation, the woman is a nida, minor spiritual impurity, or a zava, much more major spiritual impurity. By a man, is a very different situation. It doesn't look the same. As Rashi is going to explain, there's two situations that we would say this flow from this area that normally is semen, but it doesn't look like semen. It's either much, much thinner or much, much thicker. And then it's a much more severe spiritual impurity called a zav, as versus the normal spiritual impurity, what we call zera, which is much, much, much more minor. Now, a zava by a woman is much more severe than a nida for two reasons. One, after she's completely clean of the blood, the zava has to wait seven discharge-free days before she can undergo purification, while the nida, the woman with the menstrual period blood, can undergo purification as soon as she stops menstruating, if from the beginning until the stop is seven days. Now, nowadays, women have taken on that stringency of waiting these seven discharge-free days also for the period blood. But biblically, that was a very big difference. And Azava, in the times of the temple, of course, had to bring offerings as part of her purification, where the Nida, the woman with the menstrual blood, did not. By a man, this impurity of this discharge that's different than regular zero, regular semen, is more severe because by a man, if he has at least two discharges of this substance, which is different than regular zero, regular semen, he's a zav, he's impure for at least seven days. Well, if you have zera semen, you can immerse yourself in a ritual pool in a mikvah that day and become pure that evening. And sometimes the zav also has to bring offerings sacrifices as part of his purification, whereas a man who has an emission of zebra of semen does not. 
So this discharge transmits impurity to that which comes in contact with it, or even as we're going to discuss, something that's just bearing its weight, even though it's not literally touching it. And Rashi says this term zav means something that's sort of flowing. And therefore Rashi describes it as a very thin substance. He, call, he says it's like the water that comes from a dough of barley. It's very thin. It's not sticky. And it's sort of like he compares it to the white of an egg that's boiled and therefore can't fertilize. While regular semen is sticky. It's like the white of an egg that is not spoiled and can be fertilized. So if a man is trying to determine, hey, do I have this major impurity or this minor impurity? Well, what's the substance that's coming out? Is it much thinner and not sticky? All right, yes, yeah, a Is it normal texture and normal sticky? Okay, then it's regular zero, regular semen. The next verse. Thus shall be his impurity through his discharge, whether his flesh runs with his discharge, which is what we were just discussing, or whether his flesh is stopped up because of his discharge. That is his impurity. So now we're saying, wait, there's another option. Until now, meaning from the previous verse, Rashi derives the flow with this very thin flow. But now the verse gives another option and says, no, another type of discharge that also makes one of this spiritual impurity called love is actually, it's very, very thick. It's so thick, it's clogging up the opening of the male organ. So the droplets of this discharge are clogging up your flesh. So we have either option, very, very thin or very, very thick, both of them different from the norm that makes one a zav and not a regular emission of semen, emission of zero. Now also what's sort of interesting is in the previous verse, there was an allusion to seeing this discharge twice. In our verse, there's an allusion, a reference to seeing it three times. In the previous verse, based on the fact that it was referred to twice, we're like, oh, okay, if you see it twice, you're impure. But this verse says three times. Oh, if you see it three times, you're impure. So what is it two or three times? So the sages explain that, yes, if you see it once, if one time a man had this flow, too thin or too thick, he's not yet spiritually impure. He needs at least two times, as we saw in the previous verse, where we, it was referenced twice. Once you have it twice, you have the spiritual impurity called zav status. So why does our verse say three times? Because if you see it three times, then, as I mentioned before, not only do you have to wait the seven-day period of very intense impurity, as we're now going to discuss, which really requires very intense isolation from everyone else. But you also have to bring offerings as part of your purification. If you only see it twice, you still have the same intense period of isolation where you're giving off intense impurity to everything around you. But you do not have to bring offerings as part of your purification. But based on this verse, when we're mentioning seeing it or we're alluding to seeing it three times, you do need the offerings as well. And now we're going to discuss everything that's going to become impure if there's any contact between this man or between his discharge and anything else, basically. Any bedding upon which the zav will recline shall be impure, and any vessel on which he will sit will be impure. 
So Rashi says, does this mean anything or anything that's meant for that purpose? And Rashi says, based on the wording, it's anything meant for that purpose. Because that's why the verse says, upon which the Zav will recline, not which he did recline, because maybe he reclined on something that's not meant to recline on. Maybe he sat or lied on something that he shouldn't have, like a big baker's platter, a large kneading trowel. Well, I mean, if you're desperate, but those are not designed for sitting or lying. So if you did, it doesn't count. It doesn't absorb that same type of impurity. But if it was a chair or a bed or a bench or a stool, yes, then it does. And this concept of the person impure sitting or lying on something designed for that purpose or not designed for that purpose, there's also another category of sitting or lying on something which could be used for that purpose as versus it's really ridiculous to use it for that purpose, is a discussion in general when we discuss impurity and, of course, especially someone who's impure with the impurity of death, where we, in every item, look at, is this designed for this purpose of sitting or lying? Is this not designed but probable? Is this not designed but very, very, very strange? So here we're just making it very simple. We have two categories sitting and lying on something you shouldn't be or sitting and lying on something you should be. If you should be, it's absorbing the impurity. If you shouldn't be, it's not. Verse 5, a person who will touch his bedding, meaning someone else, pretty good for a person, is touching the bedding on which the Zav slept. Now, the Zav's allowed to sleep, but his bedding is absorbing the impurity, but he's allowed to. I've got to sleep. But someone who's pure is touching that bedding. Well, he now has absorbed some of that impurity, not the same impurity as the Zav, but he has absorbed enough impurity that the verse continues, shall immerse his garment and immerse himself in the water and remain impure until the evening. So this law about the bedding is telling me that the Zav, who is considered a primary source of impurity, is transmitting impurity to this man, who then obviously is transmitting it to his garments because we said we have to wash his garments as well. So all of this happens because the impurity of his love is so intense. Now, this is not true of everything the Zav touches, meaning anything the Zav touches has a certain status of impurity. But what he's lying on, his bedding absorbs much more impurity, and that's why it's so intense that it not only makes the man who touches it impure, but it even makes the man's garments, which seemingly had no contact with the bedding, impure as well. And that law only applies if the Zav sits or lays or stands or suspended from, or supported himself on the bedding. If he had any other relationship to it, then this bedding does not have that special intensity to not only make the man impure, but also make the man's garments impure. Um, in general, anything, not bedding or sitting issues, any object that the dove touches is like considered a offspring, a tulda of impurity. And then it only transmits impurities to foods and liquids, but not to people and not to their garments.